Hey, what's up? <laughs> Not much. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? I am pretty good. Um, yeah, it's like a Friday afternoon. Uh, I haven't haven't done many uh, recordings on uh, on Friday lately, but it's like a nice sunny Friday afternoon here in New York City, baby, live. It's not live at all. The Big Apple, I hear you guys call oh, it. The Big Apple. Take a bite out of that big old apple and just... Mm, oh. I, I hear the locals call it the Big App. It's a big app. It's like... Uh, but it's not <laughs> the computer kind. It's like the kind you get at the Olive Garden, which is like one of our favorite places to go here in, in New York City <laughs> to get that authentic Italian cuisine. And um, what are the nicknames for Toronto? Um, okay, so everyone who's not from Toronto knows it as the six, but, and you're Canadian, so you will know what I'm talking about. I do. It is forever to me, the T-Dot. Remember T-dot. Sean Desmond? I do remember Sean remember Desmond. Remember Sean Desmond? And his whole thing was, he was like, he was rapping in Toronto before Drake, but he never made him big, not big outside of Canada, I should say. And um, his whole thing was like, he in his one of his songs he's like this is how we rock it in the t dot and everyone was calling it the t dot for the longest time <laughs> well not everyone but i mean that was a thing and then drake comes around calling it the six because of like the area code um but yeah t dot o t o that's i feel like that's more natural than the six yeah i mean i remember in a uh, canadian uh canadian hip-hop in the the 2000s were just like all about the T dot. Like um, Cardinal Official was definitely uh, he he was really into the T dot. Um, you know what are some other Canadian early 2000s Canadian hip hop artists? Um, uh, uh, snow. Snow. Snow is more reggae, I guess. I mean, we'll we'll call it hip hop because I mean. We're, we really need anything we can get. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. No, no he, he is sometimes called a rapper, I think, with his 1993 hit, Informer. Yes. Yes. And then he – do you remember um, – oh, is this going to be a very Canadian episode? It um, might be. Do you remember on YTV's hit list, which, like, I would watch every weekend, um, basically Canada's TRL without the live audience or budget – um, he, he like tried going kind of pop and it was like a song where he was like quietly singing and I was like, what is happening right now? Again, <laughs> never made a big outside of Canada. Yeah. Um, there were, I mean, a lot of Canadian artists never make it big outside of, uh, of Canada just sort of by, um, just because of how America works, you know? Um, what a shame. it's a real but, shame. Uh, there it. There is a really exhaustive Wikipedia article on Canadian hip hop. Um, is there actually? There is. And it gets into like all of the history of like, it starts in like the late 80s. And then it talks about how like, uh, I think there were like issues where like basically a lot of Canadian hip hop artists like weren't getting any play because there were no radio, like Canadian radio stations that would play them. Um, and that didn't change until like, like, the 90s or like like the late 90s basically oh yeah i 100 percent believe that i remember because i'm from ottawa unfortunately and um i remember when 
like the urban station came on. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, like it was like finally a station with hip hop and rap, and everyone was so excited. But it was, they pretty much um, only played Fifty Cent in the club for like a day, and then I went just straight to pop. And we're like, wait, what the hell? Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think that's I think that's very Canadian. Yeah, now that's us all over. Um, yeah, and then oh. You know, just a lot of struggles until the 2010s with the new Toronto sound and Drake kind of just really just, you know, I feel like a lot of people can name a ton of Canadian hip hop artists now. Like that's changed so much over the past like 10 or 20 years. Like, and, oh yeah, definitely. and not just Drake, like there are others, although most of them are like associated with him in some way. Yeah. Do you feel like because you're, um, you're based in the United States and you have been kind of for a while or like back and forth. Do you feel like you're kind of a secret Canadian? Cause I don't think a lot of people know how Canadian you are. Um, yeah, I've learned to hide it really well. I think. Um, the thing is though, the thing is there are a lot of, Cana- of secret Canadians here. Um, I feel like a lot of people from Toronto and some people from Montreal and Ottawa have moved to New York, but Definitely when I used to live in Seattle, uh, people clocked me as Canadian because I had like a bit of an accent. But like here, I don't think it's as obvious because the distinction between like a Southern Ontario accent and like an upstate New York accent is, I'm sure there are differences, but like they're more similar than not. Whereas like on the West Coast, the way that I would say certain words would like really stand out. Yeah. Um I, I don't know. I feel like if I ever went to the States, I, it'd be too late for me to be a secret Canadian. <laughs> I've already established it too much. I, I couldn't hide it. And I don't know if that worked to my advantage or not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, what what things do you think uh, would mark you as um, as a Canadian? I really feel like a lot of the stereotypes about how we talk and just our mannerisms and how we are. I, I really do think it's true because I don't think I sound particularly Canadian, but I do, I, I do apologize too much in a way that I feel like only when I leave Canada, I notice how much I do it. And it's not even just like saying sorry. It's just like how I say, like, oh, sorry. Like in <laughs> that voice you use to when you're talking, you don't know. Um, I feel like that'd be my biggest giveaway. Just and I feel like the moment I go into bigger cities um, or just places where more things happen, I kind of stand out like a country bumpkin, where I'm like, <laughs> I don't know how things work, and like people are aggressive, and I'm like, I don't know what to do. Um, uh, so I think that would be my number one giveaway. I just couldn't handle the bustling big city. Yeah, I mean. It's you, yeah. You definitely have to. You have to learn to like to fit in and hide your like your countryness. Like for me, when I first started visiting New York, I was so terrified of being seen as like a, a tourist from the country that I just overcompensated and became incredibly aggressive and like just <laughs> like even now, like I've lived here for a year and I was thinking about it and I'm like kind of bummed out that. I tried to 
get into that so quickly because I didn't really let myself have a phase where I could like stop and be like, oh my God, the city is beautiful around me. And like, I do appreciate it, but it's like, I never want to stop and look at anything because I'm like, that's a tourist thing to do. Like, I'm just going to walk past all of this beauty everywhere because I want people to think that I live here, which I do. I even do that in Toronto where I'm like, man, the CN Tower looks so cool right now. But if I take a picture, everyone's going to think I'm some loser. <laughs> like, I, have to pre- I have to pretend I'm not impressed by this magnificent building or else I'll give myself away as some lame bitch from Ottawa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the sad part of of city life is just submerging all of your awe and wonder and just trying to seem above it all or just even liking basic things that only tourists really like Mm, like what um like i feel like toronto would be like i don't know being being really excited about a burger from burger priest (laughs) (laughs) and being like oh my god i have this amazing burger is that the place i'm like it's like on queen west or they're like the new near bur- Bathurst, or sorry, yeah. There's one on Bloor, and then I think there's also one on Queen West. It's just like, you know, it's or like, I don't know, going to Sweet Jesus or something, What's which Sweet is Jesus? overrated. But oh, it's like an ice cream place that always has a really long lineup. Huh. Um, and I don't. It's like the fancy soft serve. Interesting. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much it. The ice cream hotness when I used to live in Toronto was always Greg's. I don't even know what that is. You don't know I don't Greg's? I like ice cream that much. Yeah, ice cream's not that great. It isn't, you know? And I'm, whatever. I feel like you have to lie to everyone and pretend to like it. But it's just, <laughs> there's always too much of it. There's always way too much. And it makes me very thirsty. And I Googled, why does ice cream make me thirsty? And there was no good, no good answer. Oh, no. Um, it makes me thirsty, too. But then even when you drink water afterwards, it's like somehow not as satisfying. No, it's not. What the? What? What is? Whatever. What, I'm so glad I'm not the only one. What is it with ice cream? What's the deal with that? Ice cream thirsty. If this was a live uh, radio show, it'd be like, can you call in right now and tell us why ice cream makes you thirsty? There's an article on Pajiba.com. I'm still not entirely clear what that website is. Um. Neither am I because they they do. It's just like everywhere, but I don't know since when. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I don't really. It is. Yeah, not, it's one of those I sites that just kind of but... shows up and I'm like, what is this? Is this like a, a lady site? Is this a, I don't know. I don't know. It's like um, Up Rocks. What's Up Rocks? Yeah. What's Up Rocks? <laughs> that sounds like a joke. <laughs> hey, what's Up Rocks? No, it does, <laughs> but I just don't know what, I don't know what Up Rocks is and I see it all the time and I. I wasn't sure if it was like a spammy website or if it was real. Uh, no disrespect to anyone who writes for Up Rocks. Because I've read stuff and been like, oh, this is sick. But I, I legitimately just don't – I don't know what it is. Yeah, same with Pidgey, but I'm sure a lot of great people write for it. I just – I don't know what it is, where it came from. And frankly, I don't want to know. Yeah, I feel like that's a that's a good thing. I'm trying harder and harder to not know what things are. Wow, that sounds like such an asshole thing to say. <laughs> um, I, just, I just, like, know so many things, and I'm trying to not know things. Um but it's true, though. I mean, I just, I like, okay, so the other day was um, when everyone thought Melania Trump had a double mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had I wasn't really online that day. 
um, I deleted my Twitter app and I was hanging out with my friend for the whole day. I just didn't want to go online. And then I went online and everyone was tweeting about Melania Trump's body double and I didn't understand what was happening. And it felt so good to not know what was going on. And I was like, it's too late for me to even chime in. It's too late for me to even understand this. And I finally found out the whole thing today. I read an article. I was like, oh, that didn't look like her. Um, and it, it felt amazing. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not knowing things. I think, like you said, like it sounds like an asshole thing to say, but I think there is a lot of value in not knowing things because the pressure of Twitter is to know everything that is happening and so much of it is meaningless bullshit so not knowing things is like actually good oh this is so good and i feel like it's for sure something that people like us have a problem with because we're online people but most of my really good friends have no twitter and they barely post on anything and i talk about things and they don't know what i'm talking about (laughs) <laughs> I'm just like, oh, you guys have such rich lives that I envy because like they, they're concerned with other important things. Like they truly do not know, like they don't know what like Chapo Chop House is. <laughs> like, <laughs> they, don't, like, they don't care. And I'm just like trying to explain stuff to them. They're just like, what? I don't get it. Why is this a thing? And I'm like, I don't know either. The worst thing, like, that's really awful but then the worst thing is trying to explain that stuff to your therapist and being like okay so i want to talk about something that happened to me this week but in order to do that i need to explain this complicated and like long-running thing that happened on twitter and to explain that i need to explain how twitter works and it's just like i don't when you when you have to sit back and do that it's like oh man i mean the stuff is real it's not like it's not real just because it's like arcane and bizarre but like to step out of it for a second and just look at it from the outside it's like oh man this is fake bullshit (laughs) what is your what does your therapist usually say when you bring up stuff like i don't know like online stuff that they just don't really know about or understand i think i don't i'm trying to think she's like very supportive so I'll just be like, oh, I had a really hard week online. And she's like, yeah, you did. I'm like, okay, <laughs> thank you for validating me. But like, um, yeah, I don't know that I've really gotten down into like the, the gristle of it with her yet. With other, with past therapists, I've had to like explain how stuff works and like the complicated social dynamics of a website like Twitter and not even just of Twitter, but like of the specific micro networks that I'm a part of because there are normal people who use Twitter too. And they're just like made a great sandwich today. Living my best life. Hashtag blessed. Like Godspeed. Yeah. I don't, um, I don't go to therapy. I went once, actually went three times because I had to, um, Mm. Because I had I had a job at a call center and I had to go on stress leave because it was um, it was really it was a really difficult job and a part of it this sounds like a sitcom a part of it the agreement was like you have to go to therapy wow <laughs> during your sick leave so I had to go to therapy and I was like oh maybe this will like really help me you know what I mean mm-hmm. um, and my therapist was just she was so 
she was so nice. And I kind of wanted her to just be a little mean to me. Like, <laughs> I just wanted someone to, like, be like, you idiot. Like, I, like some sort of, like, tough love mom shit. Um, and then I realized that it's not really what therapy is for, I guess. <laughs> no, but I feel like... I just like... want her to be mean. Yeah. No, I get that, though, because I wonder sometimes, like, what the purpose of therapy is or like I get that there is value in like unconditional positive regard like that's I think one school of therapy is just like this is a space where just like you are seen and valid and like and all that good stuff and also there have definitely been some times when I just like want a therapist to like push back because I'm like saying some dumb bullshit that I think is really smart um and I just want them to be like no stop it stop it like yeah don't do that I don't know I I guess for me it's like when like I I the close friendships I have it's like with people who um like can tell me off uh very easily and often where they could just be like you're full of shit right now um or even if I'm just trying on clothes telling me I look ugly you know and I feel like that's all I want when it comes to someone helping me, like I just want them to be like, I don't know, mean, man, that's actually pretty messed up now that I think about it. But I just want, kind of want someone to be like mean to me. I don't know why. <laughs> um, I feel like, I feel like if someone's mean, that means they're telling the truth. And if someone's nice, then it's, oh my God, this is therapy, isn't it? Um, <laughs> that's so and real, though. Nice, to me. That's so real. That's like such a big thing I struggle with is like, Negative things are real. Positive things are lies or delusions. Yeah, there was a while where I wasn't, where I was like really convinced I was super ugly. Um, and I would like ask my brother, like, okay, you're a dude. Tell me honestly, am, am I kind of ugly? And he would just be like, no, like you're not. You're so beautiful. And like you would be really nice to me. I'd be like, you have to say that, though. You're my brother. Right. <laughs> no, I actually don't have to say that. Um, and I was just like, and I feel like there was no way to, like, there was no way for anyone to be nice enough and, like, convince me that I was. Like, I was waiting for someone to be like, well, you're, like, kind of ugly, but, like, when I get to know you, then you're beautiful sort of thing. Like, you know what I'm, you know what I'm trying to say? Um, I just, it was just so hard for me because I just wanted someone to be mean. I know exactly what you mean because I have brain problems. Um, I have like uh, brain problems specifically around that kind of stuff of like um, regardless of like how many people tell me that I'm like, no, you're lying or like you have to say that or like you just want me to feel better about myself or like whatever. And like the only times that I can like, sort of accept it are just like when I just like random guys like on my street just holler at me and I'm like okay well why would you be lying like you have no incentive to like lie unless like everyone in my neighborhood is just like really sweet and just like really wants me to feel better which um isn't impossible <laughs> it's like an organized campaign right yeah for a bunch yeah. of strangers to make the feel good right it's so it's and then like you you know, um, and then when you get, like, one negative thing, then you're like, oh, that's real, and I'm going to, like, obsess over that, over, like, that weighs more 
strongly on these scales than like the mountains of like positive feedback? Yeah, I don't know. Strangers, uh, the only strangers who ever call me pretty or beautiful are like really old people. Huh. Like, and I'm just kind of like, am I like <laughs> my old person hot? No, but it's like, <laughs> is that a thing? But it's like, um, and I, or like, it's never, um, it's never like a young person. I guess old people are more open with compliments, right? Um, or it's just like a regular street freak. Um, the other day, <laughs> this man was like, you're a beautiful African queen. You know that? And I was like, yeah, I do. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, man, I do. And he's like, oh, bitch. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? And it's because I guess I didn't say thank you. It's the first time I was oh, ever like, right. yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. They don't um, like it when you say, I know. <laughs> I was like, yeah, man, thanks. So I didn't say thanks, but oh. I mean, I could have said thank you. But um, yeah, it's always like, like super old people are just like, I just need to tell you, you're a beautiful young woman. And I'm I'm like, thanks, grandma. Um <laughs> grandpa. I got that in Toronto a lot too. Um, yeah, mostly like older women um, who would sometimes be like, that was most of like what my interactions with strangers in Toronto. Like, I don't think I ever really got catcalled in Toronto except in my old neighborhood, which was like this shitty, like shitty little Italy um, slash shitty little <laughs> Portugal. Um, like it's the shitty version of both of those neighborhoods. But uh, aside from that, I would mostly just get, like, older women being like, oh, my God, are you a model? Or just, like, you know, you're so beautiful. And I just be like, oh, thanks. Um, cool. Thank you. Um, and then, like, here, uh, I get, like, a lot, um, especially in my neighborhood. But it's, like, it feels very um, – it's not like when I would used to get it in um in that shitty neighborhood that I lived in in Toronto, it felt very threatening because it, it was these like Guido guys who were just like just the most <laughs> just the worst looking man standing outside these sports bars um like with their fucking mopeds and stuff. Um and it sounds like I'm stereotyping, but that was what was there. Uh and sounds then, like a Lady Gaga music video. <laughs> except they were like you're picturing them being attractive or something and they were like just nightmare mad um and then like here it's like i live in crown heights and i get like hollered at a lot but it like never feels threatening it's just like oh hey beautiful and i'm like oh hi (laughs) um i don't know yeah um maybe you have to Maybe I have to go to the States or something to be truly appreciated the way I should be. <laughs> no one no one appreciates me here in this country. Um, but sometimes I feel like um, when people – another thing that I'm always, like, kind of suspicious about is that when a stranger does call me, like, beautiful or something, I'm like, is this some sort of minority outreach? Ooh, <laughs> are yeah. Like, are, are you trying to be, like – you know what? You're beautiful regardless of anything anyone says. Like, you know what I mean? Like those kind of, um, I do know. Like, yeah. Uh, conditional compliments. Um, so I'm always kind of like, are you trying to make yourself feel good? Um, or not? Um, and I feel like that also happens when strangers just like smile at me on the street, especially if I'm in 
like a pretty white area. And I feel like there aren't, like, even though Toronto is super diverse, um, I feel like there are certain, a lot of pockets, especially like downtown where you don't really see that much diversity, like somewhere like Trinity Bellwoods. Oh, absolutely. Area. Like, it's like a bunch of people who are like cool with diversity, but (laughs) like, I'll be the, I'll be, I'll be like the only visible minority in some places yeah um so i'm just kind of like what's going on here is this like some get out shit <laughs> um so that's that's, always, that's also a concern of mine i'm like what do you what is your motive yeah no it's almost like um existing in the world as someone who isn't like normative in like most of the ways or in the important ways is like you have to like second guess fucking everything. It's exhausting. <laughs> yeah, you're like, what? What do you really mean right now? Yeah. Woof. Um, and I feel like that kind of goes with everything. Not even, I guess, just strangers, just like regular people. Um, you know, not that strangers aren't like regular people, but like <laughs> non NPCs, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh huh. Where people will like. Um, you know, especially when I write about things that are uh, have to do with, you know, like race or identity or religion or whatever. And I'm kind of just like, are you into this work? Because it's like, oh, there we got, we got that, you know, I have that diversity quota of like things I've shared and liked. Or are you like really reading this and you're like, oh, this is, this is pretty good, you know? Yeah, no, that's. Yeah, same thing, right? Like that second guessing of like, so hard to, it's like impossible to know a lot of the time. Yeah, it kind of drives you crazy. Yeah, jeez. Damn, sorry. I didn't mean to take this to that. No, it goes wherever (laughs) it wants to go. We're just like riding this beautiful griffin to whatever corners (laughs) that it decides to fly in. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not too sure where we should steer this now. <laughs> um, what have you been up to lately? So, I got laid off in at the end of July, which was awful. Yeah, that fucking sucks. Yeah, it really sucked. Um, I'm over it now. I'm fully over it now. I've, I was saying that for a while when I wasn't over it because I'd bring it up like any second I could. Like, hey, remember that time I, I got laid off? And I like, yeah, okay. Um, and, and, like, but I totally just like don't care anymore. Um, but it really felt, it felt like I was getting like dumped pretty much. Mm. Or it's like, um, I'm fine. Like, and the person who's dumping you is like, totally fine and they'll never need to think about you again and like their their journey's over with you and even though you knew you weren't going to like marry them um you still had some you still had some love left in you you know yeah um so that's how it felt and then I went back to freelancing which I'm doing now and I'm like an awful awful business person um because I always I'm I love doing stuff but um I'm so bad with time management and um invoices and all the things that actually like make you money (laughs) which is not fun but it's cool because right now I'm actually not in Toronto I'm in Ottawa um because I didn't have to meet anyone or like do anything Toronto specific so I was able to just come home for a week um and uh so I've 
just been hanging out with my friends and playing video games as well as working. Um, and I'm currently playing Uncharted 4. Mm. Um, Drake's End, is that called? It's called A Thief's End, I a think. A Thief's End. And it's just like a fun, bro-y game, you know? Yeah, I love a good bro-y um, game. Yeah, it's like, and the story is just like, uh, I don't know, it's just like you're watching like some kind of shitty movie, but you're just like jumping around and nothing really makes a lot of sense. But it's fun as hell, so I'm, I'm having a great time. I have never played any of the Uncharted games, um, but I, I, maybe I will. Maybe I will someday because it's such like a big bro-y thing. And like it's like one of those big franchises like Assassin's Creed or like all those things that are just like these huge series that have, like millions of people have played. And I'm like, yeah, maybe at some point I'll, I'll do that. That seems like maybe um, what I primarily know it for is I think it's where this phrase in like game studies came from called ludonarrative dissonance, which basically is like describes the ways that the stated like narrative of the game conflict with what you're actually doing. So like in this case, Nathan Drake is like a good guy who's like, I don't know, tomb raiding or whatever he does. But um, like that's the narrative. But the game itself is you're murdering thousands of people. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. You're literally killing people the whole game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think the last Uncharted game I played, I was, like, a little bit less woke. <laughs> Which is, again, a very douchey thing to say. But playing it now, I'm, I was like, so there's a part of this game where you're, like, in a prison in Panama. And you are, uh, like, you're beating other prisoners up. And they're all, they're all like not white. Um, cool. And it's like you and these, and you're just like, and he's there, like, spoiler alert, but he's there to like, for a reason, like he didn't actually go to prison or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just kind of weird. You're just kind of like, I don't want to be a white guy beating up a bunch of these non-white dudes. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're like, this isn't the side I'm usually on, but, I mean, okay. Um, and you're just, like, he's just, like, such a white dude, and he's he's infiltrating these spaces. Um, he's going to these ruins that he has nothing to do with, and B-Boy doesn't even get rich from any of this stuff, because he always messes everything up. Um, which is very frustrating because, like, he, you complete the game and you do all the things you have to, but, like, he's still not super wealthy. And you're like, what What are you doing? Like, are what you doing it for the thrill? Like, yeah, <laughs> like, I just thought he would have leveled up by now, but he didn't, um, which he also explains in the game a bit in this this last one, I guess. Um, but, yeah, you're just kind of like – I feel like so many games like that are really good at tricking you into being like – and again, like you've actually studied video games, so I'm sure this is very basic for you. But I'm always just like astounded by how easily I could like slip into being this thing I hate to like champion this white dude that I would hate otherwise. <laughs> but I'm yeah. him in the game, so I'm cool with it. Yeah, I know. Um, it's so weird. It's so weird. Um, and that happens with like with so many games yeah i'm trying to think like what i'm actually not playing any like big 
like big violent man games right now. I'm playing um a game called Octodad. Um What's that? You're a dad who's an octopus and you're trying not to let anyone <laughs> find out that you're secretly an octopus. Um but the problem is That's that so cool. you are an octopus and so you don't move like a man would and um you're just kind of like flailing all over the place like trying to do basic tasks and um if you mess up too much people get suspicious of you so you're just like trying your best to like like make coffee without like smashing your entire kitchen <laughs> um or like <laughs> so that's very good um and then i'm also playing stardew valley which is like just this game about farming and like fishing and like mining and stuff and it's like very cute so that's good so i know that you you told me before that you were kind of like um not so like into i guess gaming spaces online or like i guess communities so much are you still feeling that or what yeah i mean i'm pretty like outside of that stuff i would say like um uh yeah like um i don't know a lot of my friends play games and stuff um and so like we'll talk about them but like i don't really participate in like a lot of i don't know i'm not like in forums i don't like talk about them in detail with other people i'm just like oh i like this thing like the same way that i do about like tv or whatever yeah. like i don't really Die, do deep dives anymore i mean i did publish a couple of pieces um in the past few months for like kotaku and waypoint but they were very like only the sort of lightest engagement with games themselves because one of them was just like about how cam girls have basically the same job as like people who stream video games so oh that's so true um yeah i mean i don't think even though i i really really love video games and i've been playing them forever and then like, I know a lot about them and everything. I don't think I'd ever feel, um, like, ever, uh, like, talking about them or writing yeah. about them or anything. Because, well, one, uh, I'm actually not that great at games. Like, I just have a lot of fun. And I feel like that's, like, a running theme in my life. Like, I, I'm stuck at sports, but I still have fun doing it. Um, I feel like it's the same with video games or... Like, my brother gets so frustrated with me. He says, like, he's older than me, so he's, um, like, I spent my whole life watching him play games, and then when I would, he would just get so frustrated because I, like, I didn't have the same motor skills as him. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, um, like, now he's just like, oh, I just get so frustrated. Like, why don't you just move the camera around properly and stuff? And I'm like, I'm having fun. Why does it matter, you know? Um, and I feel like there's no, there's not really space to be, like, not that great at, video games would still be really into them yeah which sucks um i think that's starting to change um just in that i feel like there are a lot more games now that don't care as much about you being good at them which is kind of cool like i like when there are games that are like oh if you are sort of playing this for like an immersive story experience then there are ways to like tone down the like just uh like difficult like gun parts or whatever um and i'm like super super into that and then i feel like there's like a, a big much wider range of like of things now um 
where there still are those ones that are very like you have to like know how to really just work a fucking controller my dude um and there are some where it's just like this is gonna be like a fun time where like just goofy things happen and we all enjoy ourselves you know yeah no exactly i've always wanted to okay this is like a fantasy of mine um so every time i i come to ottawa for an extended period of time which is where um like all playstations are and stuff i'm like what if I just started playing FIFA and like <laughs> played it for hours and hours a day and just got really, really good at FIFA, you know, like I know nothing about soccer. I've only ever watched people play. Um, but I'm like, what if I could do it? Like, what if I just like dedicate hours and hours to being the best player I could possibly be? Um, and then I like, start it and i'm like i can't do this this is just <laughs> i don't understand soccer at all um but i do really like it's just like i feel like that's the only real goal i have like the only thing i really want to accomplish as far as any video games go is just to be really good at a sports game yeah god i've thought about that too i'm like oh maybe i'll just play like nba 2018 and like I don't know anything about basketball, but, like, maybe I'll just, like, get really good at that and get, like, really deep into basketball through that. Yes, exactly. Like, you'll learn about um, the players and (laughs) all the things, all the little rivalries. And they have, like, those cool story modes where it's, like, you're, like, at press conferences and stuff. And you're getting letters from GMs and you have to do trades and, like, even just watching my brother play these games, it's like, I feel like at least 60% of it is just like strategizing and like building your team and paperwork and like all these things that like I've never thought about in my life. But like, what if I could do it? And um, I don't know. I don't think it's ever going to happen. But I'm yeah. kind of talking myself into it now. <laughs> we should make a pact. We should like, we should both do it. We'll just get really good, and then we can play with each other, and like we'll be like two like bros. <laughs> we'll bro out over uh, like NHL or some shit. Which is, hockey's kind of boring, though. Let's not do that. You, wait, you think hockey's boring? Yeah, I feel like there's. I you know I. It's like the the whole razzle dazzle of hockey is just like. I feel like it's just gone now. Like I used to be able to watch it and I'd get like, like not into it, but like into it enough to be like, Oh my God, like what's going to happen. Um, especially because, <laughs> you know, it's like not anyone's game. Like, I mean, it's, you can like, you don't know who's going to win, but also at the same time, it's like people can win and only score one goal. Yeah. Which is like, which adds a bit of tension because they're like, oh my God, what's going to happen? But um, I don't know. It's just kind of like, I feel like it's just too white for me now. That's super true. It's just, so, it's just too white. I don't think anyone cares as much as they used to about it. The magic's kind of gone. I um, mean, yeah, I would guess that hockey is like, I don't know. I'm just pulling this out of my ass. But from just my like casual, I don't know, looks at, sports through twitter i would guess that hockey is the smallest of like the big four sports in north america right now um i think 
Yeah, and, you know, athletes, I feel, especially because of how everyone knows everything about everyone, I feel like athletes especially now have to be charismatic mm-hmm. for me to care about them. And hockey players are dead inside. <laughs> they have... You heard it here <laughs> first, like... folks. <laughs> no, they are. And I'm. This is this is kind of from someone who, like, grew up in, like... Uh, places where everyone was playing hockey and everyone was so into hockey you grew and up in like, senator's town yes and that's the only thing ottawa has is, yep. is hockey and no one and i'm just you know you watch it and you see the press conferences and like you know when they take the players aside and you just have no charisma at all and the moment someone has an ounce of personality they become like a superstar because it's just so rare for them to be able to fully form a thought and express it um so i don't know like you know when they, they're like all sweaty and they're they just like have their gear off and they're answering questions and they just go like uh yeah and uh you know uh i think that uh and you're like what, what are you saying just spit it out um so that frustrates me about hockey a lot i it actually really pisses me off how uncharismatic they are especially in today's political climate like you see all these basketball players and football players making statements and like saying things and like even the ones who are saying the wrong thing, it's like, at least you're able to form a sentence. You know what I mean? Um, but for like Sidney Crosby, it's like, he, he made this whole statement about like why he's okay visiting um, the white house. And it was just so weak. Oof. It's like, you, you can't even be like controversial and interesting. Like it was like, you know, uh, I don't really care about politics. Uh. <laughs> like, like, shut up. Like, just, like, where's the fire, you know? Yeah. It's, so that's my whole rant ugh. against hockey players. How many? <laughs> okay, so hockey, we've established that hockey players, dead inside uh, and not charismatic. So how many hockey players can you name? Because I don't, I can name, uh, well, you took Sidney Crosby already. So that was my kind of my go-to. I can name a lot more than I think. Well, maybe not so much anymore because, like, the ones I did used to know about are retired now. I think that's true for me as well. Um, I know that the goalie for the Toronto Maple Leafs about 20 years ago was Felix Potvin. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that might be it. I know a lot of Sens players, I think. Um, and that's also because a lot of girls in Ottawa are dating them. <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> I like extensively crap them to see Wait, how they're living now. Is that, um, are they on like the, like, is there a hockey house, hockey wives show in yes, Canada? Yeah, it plays on the W Network, which is the women's network. Um <laughs> And it's, yeah, so there's a show called Hockey Wives. It is, it's kind of boring um, because there's not, there's no drama. It's not like, have you ever watched Wags, which is on E? No. God, I can't believe I just said that to you. Um, Wags is a show about the wives and girlfriends of NFL stars. Uh-huh. Um, and then girl and their friends who want to date NFL stars. And it's cool because there's like, so, oh, and so, actually, I don't think it's just NFL. I think it's um, all sports because they're basketball players too. So I think it's just wives and girlfriends of professional athletes. Huh. And 
it's just so much more interesting because one, so much drama. They all talk crazy shit about each other. Um, two, there's this whole like hierarchy of like girlfriends and wives. So like <laughs> they look down upon women who have been girlfriends for two years and haven't been proposed to. It's kind of like, well, they're not going to last. They're not, they're not in this. You know what I mean? Yeah. And three, they're trying so hard to prove that their lives are hard. Oh my like, god! It's like every episode they like they're really trying to push the fact that they have difficulties in their lives, which is usually like you know I never know when he's going to get traded, <laughs> and you're like and you're like really that's your issue, but I guess it's like you can move from like L.A. to somewhere like Cleveland, which I guess is pretty shitty, but you're still like super duper rich, so I mean who cares? Like once you I mean. You're probably richer in Cleveland than you are in LA, right? Yeah, you um, think so. So I don't know. Um, so that's but in Hockey Wives, uh, there's none of that. They um, <laughs> they all kind of suck. They're all like really friendly. Um, and they love their husbands so much, and you're like, can you just like not like they never really fight enough with their husbands? Um, and again, hockey players are. Uh, they have no personality, so there's not much carrying the show. Um, that sucks. That sounds bad. And I'm taking it off of my TiVo. Um, although, <laughs> although uh, Noreen DeWolf is in Hockey Wives, so Who? there's that. Um, she's like an actress. She's married to some goalie in the NHL. She's like gorgeous. Yeah, she was on she's on season three, I guess. <laughs> um, another person who was on it is um Keisha Shante. Do you remember her? No. She had a bit of a hip hop career here in Canada. And she dated Drake before he was really famous. And the best <laughs> I ever have the best I ever had is about her. Huh. Um, so his first single is about Keisha Shante. Um, but that was like his first love. And um, she's a and hockey she's wife? On, yeah, she's a hockey... Well, I think she's a girlfriend. I think she's... She's with Ray Emery, who used to be the goalie for the Suns. Um, but I don't think he's even in the NHL anymore. So I don't know what she's doing on the show. Oh, yeah, again, and it's also, like, low-tier athletes on the show, too. You're like, <laughs> you're not in a professional league. Like, I want the the ones who are making the money, you know? I want real rich people. Um, so that's disappointing. But Canada just can't do reality TV. We mm. can't do it. There's nothing... There's no such thing as a good Canadian reality TV show. Why do you think that is? Uh, I don't know how to say this about Fashion Canada too much. Oh, you're allowed. But I think the but I think the biggest problem is that like um, Canadians just can't bring that level of drama mm. that Americans or Brits can. Um, British reality TV is the highest tier, in my opinion, because they're allowed to swear. And, um, also, uh, yeah. And also I think British people are just like a bit crazier than Americans when they are crazy. Um, and, and I guess, and the editing, it's, I feel like it's far less, there's far less, um, I think the producers have, are better in the UK because I feel like it's fed so much like, okay, for example, if you're watching, oh God, I hate talking about reality TV because I feel like I do it so much, but (laughs) (laughs) 
like, so you're watching Teen Mom, and like, you know, when a scene is staged because they're like at a restaurant with their friends, and their friends are like, hey, what's going on with you and Tyler? Um, and like, you're like, okay, like, this is totally manufactured, but I feel like you get so much less of that in the UK. And then in Canada, it's like all that because Canadians just don't know how to uh, be wild for television. Interesting. Uh, so I think that's the biggest issue. Yeah. Huh. Huh. One of our national failings. It is. It's, uh, I couldn't, I could probably write a whole book about it, you know? Yeah. And you should. <laughs> why can't, why can't we have a good reality TV show? Why can't Canada produce one good reality TV show? There was the Real Housewives of Toronto. There which was, yeah. Had, which had one good villain, Kara, and she deserved so much more. Um, she should have been on, like, the Real Housewives of Dallas or something because the girls in Toronto were just, they were too, uh, they were too mature, you know? Like, they were like, let's talk this out rather no. than, like, talking behind each other's back like regular people. Um <sighs> which really upset me. There wasn't enough backstabbing for sure. Uh, so you don't recommend Real Husbands of Toronto or Hockey Wives, but um, maybe you can recommend something when we move on to the one segment that we do on the show, which is called Get Wrecked. Get Wrecked. It's a strong name for a segment. My rec for this week is going to be another podcast. And that podcast is called The Orville Will Be Cancelled. And this is a podcast by my friends Greg and Jocelyn. It's about the Seth MacFarlane vehicle directed and written. He doesn't direct and write all the episodes, but he does some of them. Television program, The Orville. I've never seen an episode of this show, and I don't intend to. Although I may watch one if I am on this show, because I will have to do that, which is upsetting it's a show that i only know of through subway ads i don't know if those ads have have come up to toronto on billboards or anything but we have some ads for them on the train here and i assumed initially that this was a star trek satire or parody kind of like did you ever see galaxy quest yes i assumed it was kind of like galaxy quest as well where it was like a like a satire on space shows or something. I think we all did, and it's not. It's um, it's Seth MacFarlane trying to make Star Trek, like trying to make the next generation, but with dick jokes, sort of. Um, and it's not a satire of anything. It's just Star Trek, um, but bad. And this podcast, The Orville Will Be Cancelled, talks about the ways in which it is bad and I find it really entertaining and funny even though I have not seen the show probably more so because I have not seen the show um <laughs> because it sounds so bad it sounds so bad also I somehow somewhere along the line I just like mentally confused Seth MacFarlane and Ricky Gervais and I feel like they're basically the same person to me now they um, are 100% they're the right? same person right they're the same person they look the same they make the same kind of comedy it's like they both have the same like shitty snarkiness about them um so they're both always making the same face and photos too like their yes. mouths are always open they're like ha and you're like no just close your freaking mouth close your mouth close it up <laughs> and um 
this show is very good and they're on i think they've done about five episodes so far so you don't have a lot of catching up to do if you want to start from the beginning um so funny and both of the hosts know a lot about star trek and they talk about like what kinds of things that orville is trying to do and how it fails it's not just like a huh look at this bad thing show it's like really interesting too and it kind of makes me want to watch more star trek because like they talk about the ways in which star trek for all of its many many failings sort of does succeed in some ways and they also talk about the new star trek which i don't really have much interest in watching but they talk about how that compares to the orville because there are kind of two star trek shows on the air right now which is really weird um so go check out that podcast and they also have a twitter account which is i think where is it oh it's the orville is bad on twitter um, <laughs> and uh, it's a it's a great show so um so check it out it sounds like kind of like um do you remember full house reviewed i don't do you ever read that no so it's this guy who had a blog um and he wanted to start a blog about family matters because he loves family matters he'd review every episode of family matters and um he realized that there was an episode where, like, a crossover episode where Steve Urkel's on Full House. Yeah. And then he was like, oh, my God, Full House is the worst show ever made. <laughs> so he watched every episode of Full House and reviewed every episode. And, like, his contempt for the show is just so funny because, like, I hate Full House so much. Like, I, I truly hate Full House. I think it is one of the worst of, like, those 90s kind of nostalgia shows. And um, yeah, it was it's so funny, and it, it uh, I feel like I would really like this podcast because I love that blog so much. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that is not my recommendation. Okay, what is yours? Since we were talking about um, reality TV, um, which I watch a lot of, I don't know if you uh, realize that. <laughs> um, my sister has I live with my sister, and she has cable, so mm. I mean it's like. It's all I do is watch TV. Um, so I recently, today, just pu- got published uh, on The Cut recommending 90 Day Fiancé, which is mm-hmm. uh, the best worst show ever. <laughs> and it's uh, that's my that's my biggest recommendation to anyone. Like, I find it hard to not talk about 90 Day Fiancé. <laughs> um, it always creeps into conversation somehow. Where I'm like, kind of like a 90 Day Fiancé, you watch that? Um, and it's like, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's Americans, um, and they're, they're sponsoring their partners who are from abroad. And it's like always developing countries where people don't speak English and like the power dynamics are really messed up, but that's another point. Um, so they meet these people online usually, and they can bring them to America on like the K1 visa, which Uh is. You, they have 90 days to be in the country. At the end of that 90-day period, they have to marry these people or the, their partners get kicked out. <laughs> um, so it's a reality TV show following these couples. And everyone is awful. Um, it's it's such a problematic show for so many reasons. Oh, no, it doesn't sound like it at all. It sounds like really... <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> You really have to shut down parts of your brain when you're watching it. Yeah. I've um, heard of the show before because my friend um uh well my my friend of the network Graham Clark is is really into it. Um and he's talked about it a lot on his show Stop Podcasting Yourself and it sounds like so much. It's 
Oh my god, it's a lot. It's amazing. And there's like three spin-offs. There's three versions of the show now. So there's Happily Ever After, which follows the couples uh after their 90-day period. Then there's 90 Days Fiance Before the 90 Days, which is also a real show. <laughs> and it oh follows the god. people people who are like going to meet potential fiancés. Um and I feel so bad because Again, there's just too much to think about when you're watching it as far as, like, real-life implications go. But also, it really makes the whole visa process look so bad. Like, if I was on a K-1 visa, I would hate this show. Because I'd be like, everyone thinks this thing's a joke now because of all these freaks. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But it's fantastic. It's amazing. It's the best reality TV show right now. If not the best show on television. Um, and this is including like all this, all this prestige TV stuff that I, that garbage I refuse to watch. Um, <laughs> so yes, 90 day fiance, everyone needs to watch it. Not a spawn, uh, though TLC, if you want to hit me up with some swag, I want to be opposed <laughs> to that. Yeah, I know. I would 100% wear a TLC shirt. <sighs> well, God, this has been a Canada heavy show and a reality TV heavy show. And, um. You know, I think that we're better off for it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, well, thank you so much for coming on. It was great to catch up. We haven't chatted in a minute, so it was really great to talk to you. Yeah, it was amazing talking to you. This is the fastest hour of my life. <laughs> well, time flies when you're talking about hockey wives. and uh, We went deep on a lot of uh, things here, Merritt. We, we did good. We talked did about good. the issues of the day, and we solved every problem. And frankly, we deserve, uh, you know, a cake or something. Before we go, do you want to, is there anything you want to plug or do you want to tell people where they can find you online? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, uh, twitter.com slash geekylonglegs. Um, that's, I don't have a website, though I should have one. But that's, yeah, no one that's needs a website. Really it's 2017. Thank you for saying that. You just convinced me I don't need one. <laughs> that's all I need to hear. Yeah. No, websites are for nerds websites <laughs> are for nerds amazing yeah um okay i won't do it then thank you merit you're welcome um <laughs> well thank you again and uh yeah i will i will talk to you later awesome have a great day you too bye bye Secrets is hosted by Merrick Kay and produced and edited by me, Nick Bravo. Woodland Secrets is a part of Stay Mean, the world's only podcast network. We're entirely listener-supported. If you enjoy the show, please consider becoming a patron of Stay Mean at woodlandsecrets.co support. For as little as three bucks a month, you'll get access to a monthly newsletter and frequent bonus episodes of our shows. If you'd like to have a message read on the show, head to woodlandsecrets.co slash messages. You can help people find out about the show. Please mention us on Twitter. We're at Woodland Podcast and at Stay Mean Co. Or rate and review us in iTunes. We really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. <laughs>